Welcome to Quilt and Tell. We're quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddock. Welcome, everybody. We have a special episode for you this week. Tracy, Lori, and I have selected three segments from our favorite interviews. Well, they're all our favorite interviews, but we thought these three had special messages within them, and we all felt like we needed to hear them at least one more time. First up, we have our chat with the Tula Pink. Then we'll share our talk with fabric and quilt designer Latifa Safir. And then lastly, we'll talk with our two-time guest, Alex Anderson. If you haven't heard these chats yet, trust me, you're going to love them, and you're probably going to want to go back and listen to the full episodes. If you have heard them, listen again, because they are a blast. Plus, I have a little surprise for everybody at the end of the podcast, so enjoy these interviews. So let's go ahead and kick off the interviews with Tula Pink. So let's sort of backtrack to fabric design because we we decided that we were going to be discussing during this episode all about creative diversions. And mm. and so when did you know you wanted to design fabric? Um I there's actually like a specific moment. Um, really? Um cool. yeah. Um, And it goes back to, I think this would be true for a lot of people that sort of got into quilting when I did. But the first time I saw, I walked into my local quilt shop, which was in Carpinteria, California, and they had in the very center of the room, two brand new fabric designers, Kay Fassett and Amy Butler. Mm -hmm. And it was Amy's first line. Um, And it was the first time I actually realized that a person designs fabric. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, Mm -hmm. Because before that, all I'd ever really seen were reproductions and, you know, sort of mimicking a time past Mm -hmm. or reproducing a floral in a new color, whatever it was. But you looked at those two fabric lines and it was so clear to me that there was a human being that sat down and said, this is what I want it to look like. And And it was the first time it had ever occurred to me that a person designed fabric. And right at that moment, I said, well, that's what I have to do. Well, and it's a person um, with a point of view, too, because yeah, Amy definitely has a point so of view. So it's Cave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can walk into a shop and see Cave or Amy's mm-hmm. fabric and, and know, know. them from across the room. And that was so powerful to me. I wanted to be a part of that narrative. Like I wanted people, I wanted to be included in that group of names. Mm. So um, what were you doing at the time career-wise? I was actually an art director in the music industry. So I was designing for like all kinds. I mean, and this was uh, now like almost 15 years ago. So if I start listing my clients, it really dates me quite a bit. (laughs) That's okay. Do it. Do it. But like (laughs) Britney Spears and Mm -hmm. Snoop Dogg. And I mean, we really ran the gamut. Um, Yeah. Timeless. Uh, Megadeth. (laughs) Lincoln Park, you know, like, <laughs> nice. I, I mean, it was a mm-hmm. real, like, we had over 370 clients. So, and of all music genres. And, uh, yeah, and you were so designing albums? Um, album covers, mm-hmm. merchandise. Essentially, what I did as the art director was I set the style guide for whatever 
like when an artist releases an album, there's a whole bunch of things that go with it. And all those things have to connect, which is interestingly a lot like building a fabric collection. They all have to connect, but be for unique uses. Mm -hmm. Um, so I use a lot of what I learned art directing in that industry in art directing my own brand and fabric collections. Um, cause you have to, you know, it's like, okay, these are all the images we're using. These are all the fonts we're using. These are the colors. It was essentially the like primer for what everything related to this album and it's tour were going to look like no matter what city, what country, where it was being sold or where the concert was happening. Everything came from this initial style guide that my team and I set for the release. Interesting. So do you have a tulip pink style guide? Uh, yeah, well, kind of, it's not as formal as mm-hmm. like, I used to make binders, like right. I was <laughs> Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Um, yeah, yeah. but in my actual life, no, because it's all me. Right. So like I am my style guide. <laughs> if you um, like it, it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's really sort of my parameters is I'm designing I am genuinely an avid consumer of this industry. I get really excited when new designers release new stuff. And, you know, like I'm running around sample spree too, grabbing Mm -hmm. stuff at Quilt Market. And, oh, my gosh, what's this designer's new line look like, you know? And, um, and collecting and I hoard also, like I have stuff (laughs) I won't cut, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff. My mom and I argue over fabric all the time. Like, you know, you need to give me that. I'm a bigger fan of hers, whatever. (laughs) uh, She could buy her own. (laughs) I know, right? Well, sometimes I find little gems in her stash that I feel like deserve to be mine. But um, (laughs) I'm genuinely designing for myself, um, you know, and and hoping that people want the same things that I want, you know? So I'm looking at, I'm making a quilt and I'm like, you know, what I really wish I had for this quilt is this. And I'll put that in my next line. And, um, I'm designing, I'm using myself genuinely as a template. Well, one of the things I think you're amazing at too, is you've been able to stay really true to yourself and consistently true to yourself. You know, what advice do you give to people that are trying to start out that might be swayed to like, oh, I want to fit in over here. I want to fit over there. How do you stay true to yourself? Um, You know, it's not that hard (laughs) because of, uh, I mean, it was in the beginning and, you know, there's actually, I have a pinpointed story for this topic as well. Um, But, you know, there was a point in my career where I had done about four or five lines and no one was buying them. Like, you know, I wasn't making any money. I was working at my mom's quilt shop on the side to make rent, like, you know, trying to figure this out. And, you know, and I got to a point and I was really listening to the people who were telling me what I was being heavily art directed at the time, but willingly, you know, because I didn't know Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And it's not like my degree is in fabric design for quilting. I didn't know. I was just trying to make my the best choices I can make and um, and taking in a lot of advice. And it was great advice. I mean, from people who really know what they're doing. And um, I wasn't making any money. Uh, this was never anything that I was going to be able to rely on for my sole income. And, you know, I sat down and I thought, you know, I need to give this one more shot before I have to move on and do other things because I had left a really lucrative career 
to, to a really a lot of nothing. And my savings from my previous job was getting low. So I needed to make some real decisions. And I thought, you know, I just need to do one line that is pedal to the metal the whole way, like give it like a hundred percent me. And then at least if I walk away, I know that I've given it a hundred percent and I'll have no regrets. Right. Right. You know, and that line was Parisville. Oh my gosh. Um, an iconic line for you. Right. It was, it changed. That was the line that changed Mm -hmm. everything. And you know, I was like, I'm just going to do it big. It's going to be weird. It's going to have a lot of color in it and it's going to be a hundred percent my ideal fabric collection and everything, no holding back, you know, no watering down, no holding back a hundred percent tulip pink. And I put that on the market and it was my first big success. Nice. And everybody was waiting for you to be you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's what I learned in that is that, um, you know, I figured I had two paths I could potentially take. I could either go a hundred percent into my own weirdness and just do me, or I can completely water down and give the market what it wanted. And I was like, you know, I don't know that I'd ever be totally happy doing that. That's what I did in my music career was gave other people what they wanted. And this was supposed to be more about, you know, doing something creative and artistic. And um, and so I decided to go the other way. And I'm so glad I did. And ever since then, it's been nothing but good. And so that moment was a real eye opener. And I said I would never not trust myself again after that. You know, because it could have happened a lot that, that gives me goosebumps because I remember when that line hit and that was, that was when I noticed who you were. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, that's because it was the first time I had shown you who I was. That's you true. Know? I mean, that line, if you really pick that thing apart, that is weird. <laughs> weird stuff in there. There's like a girl's hair in the shape of a lion, like eating <laughs> her face that right? looks like a troll doll. There's mice in it. There's, I mean, it's a really, really funky fabric line. And that was the first one that really took off for me. Yeah. But that's when you got all your, all of us weirdos were <laughs> yep. like, Ooh, <laughs> threw them in. you yeah. know, it's funny. It's like, that's kind of what I discovered through that process mm-hmm. is like, I'm not that weird. Like there's a lot of, <laughs> who are in this category. You're just not alone. (laughs) I'm not alone. Exactly. And, you know, ever since then, I've just, that's always been my mantra is like, be as true as I possibly can to who I am and what I'm into. Because the more I do that, the more people, I think, feel like they've found a home within my community. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like there's some of us out there that want a little something more, that want to laugh. You know, like laughter is my main thing. It's my favorite thing. It's the best thing. And, you know, my fabric's pretty weird and it's pretty funny. If you if you give it, <laughs> it is. If you give it a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that one. Next up, we're going to be chatting with fabric and quilt designer Latifa Safir. So my very first quilt was a tutorial off of the Pearl Soho blog, and it was one of two Mm -hmm. quilts that I made that um, I made off of someone else's design. And after that, I I started designing and it's kind of been 
all my designs ever since. And it's also my only quilt that I made that I really just cannot, I do not like it at all because of the fabric selection. Oh, isn't <laughs> that interesting? interesting. It, I still have it. I will not get rid of it because it means something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I made it. And my only goal was to finish it because I'm a serial crafter like nobody else is on this phone call right now. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this. My only goal was to finish it because I didn't want to have another halfway finished project. So I did finish it. It Yeah. (laughs) That's really interesting. So how does it feel now to use your own fabric? In projects. It's really really fun. So the the interesting thing about being a fabric designer is it's weird because sometimes I get really tired of my own fabric because we're forced to use it exclusively so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way I use fabric is very different than just sewing from one fabric line. So what happens is I have to take a break like after market and you sew like like 10 quilt tops and all of the stuff with all of your fabric. And then I come back to it six months later and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of awesome. (laughs) I bet. So then, and I just have a fun time using it the way that I use fabric, which is to kind of pull and mix and match different, you know, because when you design print fabric, it's like your voice comes through. So it's really fun to mix and match your voice with other people's voices and create kind of the symphony Mm. um, and fabric that becomes a quilt. So I'm having fun with it now, but I do have to take a little break in between time. (laughs) I bet. I love the way you said that, that you combine your voice with other voices for a symphony. I yeah, like that a lot. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so how did, how did, did you always want to be a fabric designer or did that evolve in some way? It, um, it did evolve. I had the concept for graphic for several years and before it actually, I actually started working with it um, at with the fabric company and um, I had never seen anything like it in the industry and I really Mm -hmm. wanted it for myself to play with. Um, A lot of what I do in my business is very selfish. It's stuff that I want to see out in the world. Mm -hmm. As it should be. (laughs) And, and, but it's interesting because I feel like I'm still getting my legs under me as a fabric designer. Mm -hmm. It's a, um, a medium that I'm not a thousand percent, um, I don't, I feel like I'm still finding my voice and my way through it. And my next line that I'm actually working on concept for right now is in some ways going back to um, the a more really urban style of fabric like I did in my very first line. So nice. um, I'm just trying to, you know, find my way in it. Um, I'm, I try to be very true to my own voice and mm-hmm. that's very important to me in all of my work. Um, but then you still have a lot of input from your fabric company as far as this is what sells and mm-hmm. can we try this type of format? And, you know, I'm really open to that kind of feedback as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's been been a fun, fun, fun um, experience, but it's also stretched me a lot and forced me to really sort of dig down into being secure in who I am and being okay with my voice being heard, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's also the only project in my own business that I work uh, with um, currently that I work with another big company. So it's like it's different when someone else is putting, you know, their money on the line and their work and their talent and their people behind you as well. So you really want to see it be successful. So I feel a little bit of stress around that. But at the same time, I always have to let go of that and fall back just into creating something that's true to who I am. Yeah. So do you do you draw the how do you create it? So or do you consider yourself like an artist and, and can draw and, and that kind of stuff? Do you I can 
Yeah, I consider myself more of a quilt artist mm-hmm. and um, not as much of an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So um, when I first started working with Hoffman, I knew what I wanted my fabric to look like. But I said, and I told them, I said, I could do this, but it would take me a while. So mm-hmm. um, I actually uh, rely heavily on the art department at oh, Hoffman. Interesting. They're really amazing. And um, they take my crazy ideas. And even if they don't understand them, really, they're really, it's about communication at this point. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but they're right. really, really great about, okay, you want to see that? Let's see how that looks. And they they do it for me. I'm like, no, it needs to be a little bit more like this or the colors here or the shape here. And um, so it's kind of a, it's a, a sort of really awesome team effort. Interesting. Yeah. That, so, so when did you do my voice? Yeah. When did you design your first fabric line? Goodness, when did graphic come out? Because I don't come out with fabric Mm. every year. It's been a few years. It has been a few years. Four or five years ago. It's been a few years now. I've only had three lines. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. I've only had three lines. I'm working on my fourth now. Right. Right. But conceptually, I came up with a graphic probably about seven or eight years ago. Interesting. And how long has it been since you've been designing quilt patterns? Um, so I started designing quilts the year I started quilting, which was 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also the same year that we I helped to found the Modern Quilt Guild. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff happened that year. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tendency of diving in head first, for, <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. But, and, you know, at that time, it was there was a lot going on. Um, there was... It's a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And online, um, you know, blogs were exploding and yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting and very um, busy time. It was very dynamic. Yes. Do you make your own quilts? Do you like making quilts? Tell us about that part. Yeah, so I, um, I a lot of people know this about me that I don't actually enjoy the process of sewing. I may have mentioned this already, but because of that, um, I had to find what was important to me in this process because I am a quilter through and through. That you know is a big part mm-hmm. of who I am and how I operate in the world. And what I enjoy seeing is I enjoy seeing my vision come to life, and I do enjoy on owning the process. So I always say the best parts of the quilt are the design and putting the binding on because that's the beginning. <laughs> I like the binding in the too. End. And, and everything <laughs> that happens in the middle is sort of just it's a necessary evil in my mind, and I sort of envy the people who enjoy you know, like really get something out of like sitting down and stitching at a machine. (laughs) But um, with that being said, I do like to, I do enjoy owning the whole process. So most of my quilts, especially the ones that really mean something to me, I do um, do everything from piecing to quilting all the way through to the end. I'm Mm -hmm. also pretty good at it. So technically I I construct a really well-made quilt. Um, but I, as, as you design fabric and patterns and all of that, you can't manage the whole process. And so if a quilt is for a pattern, I am quick now to send it out to get quilted at a long armor. And sometimes it's an edge to edge design, which, you know, we, there's beauty in that as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you learn, especially as a business owner to figure out what's important to you and put your focus there. Um, but if it's a quilt that I really, you know, like something I'm making for my home or a friend or something, I do enjoy owning the whole process. I think there's something really powerful about saying I made this from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. That was such a great interview with Latifa. Uh, next up, we have our interview segment with Alex Anderson. 
I, I want to just read this little bit to you, okay? Because mm-hmm. it actually sure. made me cry. I started sobbing outside. It said, each of us has an artist inside. Most often she is full of energy, ideas, and experiments. She plays without fear of failure or need of success. Usually that person is around three to five years old. Now, the good news is that she's still there no matter how old you are. She's just done too many dishes and filled out too many forms to be enthusiastic about anything. So cut her some slack, buy her some new crayons or markers, give her a special class, a space of her own to work in and time to play. Show off her work with pride. Let the dust rhinoceroses collect under the bed for a while. You'll be astonished with your artist when you let her loose. That made me cry when I read it because I was lost in being a mom. It's actually all I can do right now not to cry. Me too. Because I completely get that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. And I've had different levels of that through my whole life. What do you think about well, that, Joanne? Yeah. Well, when I, I, I teach online classes and workshops uh, with watercolor and lettering and very expressive kind of art. And I do find, as I taught for 20 years, I taught high school, I taught elementary school, college. I find the hardest people to teach are adult women or adults because they're so tight and so. Um, stressed out about making making a move with a paintbrush or a crayon or whatever we're using. And so I have uh, a little mantra that I always tell my classes, and that's to call on your second grade art girl. So remember when you were in second grade, you were, you know, silly and you, and you just loved color and toys and life and playing. And that was like the perfect, that was the perfect girl, the perfect art girl. And then when she was in first grade, she was still the same, but she didn't really have many skills, not not as much as the second grade art girl. And then the third grade art girl, she started to uh, just criticize herself or it was just getting from, you know, comfortable with social uh, expectations and they were judgmental a little bit. And then the rest is history. But that second grade art girl, you know, in this little fluffy dress with knee socks and Mary Jane shoes, you need to call on her because just like what Ellen said, she's the she's the epitome of who we are down way down deep as artists and as creatives, whether you're working with paint or fabric or whatever it is that you do as a artist with air quotes. And see, that's what Joanne has brought to my life is I've taken several of her online classes and they are absolutely excellent. And I can remember, gosh, Joanne, I've been doing it like two, three years now with you. Uh, At one point I go, I'm an artist. I mean, it was just, it was like a bubble moment. And why was I an artist when I'm doing her painting classes, which you guys are a total blast versus sitting at my sewing machine? Where, where in the universe did I make that division? I, I don't know. I, I, I absolutely do not know. Other than I know this too, sorry. Um, a lot of quilters 
who are art quilters have had a hard time getting their work into museums and things like that because they are quilters. And so the society putting all these labels on you when the truth of the matter is you're an art girl. And Joanne gave me that gift. So I want to publicly thank you for that, Joanne. That's awesome. Got to be an art girl. She's an art girl. Yeah. I have all of these thoughts going through my head because, you know, when I was younger, um, I went to a performing arts high school. I started out doing ballet and then I um, became an actor. And I remember how long it took me to call myself an actor. And we had a teacher in high school. His name was Joe Russo. And he was my very favorite teacher I ever had. And he he was there who who was like my Joanne, right? Say, mm-hmm. Telling me that, you know, telling all of us in our class that w- we needed to get to the point where we could call ourselves an artist, call ourselves an actor. And, and so it probably took about a year of taking classes with him before I started referring to myself as that. And then I think I didn't necessarily call myself an artist, air quotes, um, because my brother was the artist in the family. He Mm. was the sculptor. He went to art school. He went to college for art and he's a painter and he's a sculptor and he works with wood and he was the artist. And I remember telling people that I couldn't draw, like I don't know how to draw. So I didn't take art classes in school. I should have. I should have, because I regret that to this day, um, just because I feel like it would help my quilting. Um, But the funny thing is when I was a young mom, and this really strikes a really strong chord with me, Joanne, about what you were saying. When my son went into third grade, his teacher sent home a note that they were, um, they were learning to write and they were, um, coloring in class. And she wrote a note on the coloring page that was sent home that Zach needed to practice coloring up and down and staying in the lines. (laughs) And I literally went into the principal's office the next day and showed him the note. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. And I told her straight to her face, I am never going to tell my son to, to color up and down and in the lines. Never. So you can just give up on that right now. (laughs) So why was I so defensive with my son? But I don't think I protect myself as much as Mm -hmm. that. Right. Do I give Mm. myself the space? No, I started to get choked up as you were reading that, because especially now I've done an awful lot of dishes over the past two months and I haven't (sighs) given myself a lot of time to to play. I've been making Mm -hmm. masks for the people I love. I, I actually took a little time this weekend on Mother's Day and I sewed two quilt blocks because, and I forced myself to do it because, and it wasn't play. It was me trying to finish this damn quilt. (laughs) 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 So how do we, how do we give ourselves more permission? So can I tell a story here? Sure. Um, We had a woman on the quilt show, uh, Katie Fowler. She's in your neck of the woods in the um, Colorado area. And she is an, she is an artist. She was on the show at the quiltshow.com. Go watch Katie Fowler's show. Mm -hmm. She, I don't want to tell you what happened, 
No, I'm going to tell you what happened. Okay. So her stuff was real artsy and, Mm -hmm. um, she literally took a quilt off the wall of the studio and started slicing it up into a bunch of million pieces. Oh, I remember this episode. Were you there? Were you there? No, I wasn't there, but I watched it online. Yeah. And everybody was, I thought the audience was going to throw up on themselves. Right. And Katie kept stressing, it is the process. It is the process. It is not the product. So Katie also does, um, psychological training for those who need it as myself, (laughs) like a mentor, a coach, you know, so I took psychological training is different from a mentor. (laughs) (laughs) Probably all rolled together. And it was the whole thing about being an artist. And she would, I want to be, I want to be an artist. I want to call myself an artist. And we went back and forth and she give me problems to solve before our next little meeting. Mm -hmm. And answer this question, answer that question, et cetera. And then finally at the end, three, maybe three or four sessions into it, I said, you know what? I don't care what I am. I just want to create. And she said, you just grabbed the golden key. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this little trip down memory lane. Before I forget, it's time for your big surprise. I want to share a coupon code for 20% off of any of our current online courses at quiltingdaily.com. This coupon code is good till the end of October 2020. When you go to check out, use the coupon code QUILTANTEL20. So Q-U-I-L-T-A-N-D-T-E-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off of one of our great online courses. You can also find that coupon code in our show notes on quiltingdaily.com. So Tracy, Lori, and I will be back next time with an all-new episode of Quilt and Tell. Till then, happy quilting! Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.